Hey guys, welcome. You're listening to the That Loudmouth Lady podcast. Hey guys, welcome and thanks for listening to That Loudmouth Lady, the political podcast where I run my mouth about pretty much whatever topic I feel is most important that day. Man, what a crazy past few days it's been. Trump's ex-lawyer Michael Cohen got three years. The Senate voted to end backing of Saudi war with Yemen, which is fabulous for us, but I'm sure 45 is just absolutely thrilled. Nancy Pelosi gave us a small reminder of why she's so big in politics. 45 showed us that he's having a hard time figuring out who his new chief of staff is going to be, because even Chris Christie has asked to be removed from the list. And, of course, as usual, he threw himself a Twitter tantrum. But that's just the small stuff. Now, how many of you have heard about Jacob Walter Anderson this week? He's the former fat president of Baylor University who had been indicted on four counts of sexual assault in 2016. He drugged and repeatedly raped his victim at a frat party and then left her to wake up choking on her own vomit. This week, he was given his punishment, a whole whopping $400 fine and a recommendation of three years probation and ongoing psychological alcohol and substance abuse counsel. I gotta look a little further, but I have yet to see anything that says that this young man is going to be put on a sex offender list. I'm guessing not when all you get is a $400 fine. And that brings me to my topic today, rape in America, or a little more specifically, rape on college campuses in America. Did you know that in 2017, Baylor University had a complainant who came to them with 52 instances of sexual assault from between 2011 and 2014? 52 incidences in three years for one school. How, and according to Baylor University, they only have 19 instances, like, from what I can understand, ever. That's quite a discrepancy. How do they say that only 19 have happened and all these other people are saying, no, 52, more than 52. 52 is just what was reported last year. In fact, it's believed at that school that gang rapes are used as a sort of team bonding experience for new players. So it's a great way to, you know, get together and get closer as a team. You just rape a girl. Of course. Why not? One complainant from 2017 said she was repeatedly gang raped by then players Trayvon Armstead and Shamia Mitchell Chapman after a party in April of 2013 at her home. They brought her back to her house and forced her into a room where they began to assault her. When her roommate's boyfriend returned to the house, he heard sounds that sounded like rustling, a fist hitting someone loud, a bang, and a woman yelling, No! He called on her and was told she was fine by one of the guys. They then emerged from the room and the roommate's boyfriend found her partially closed on the floor with a bruise on her cheek and a bite on her neck. She initially declined to report what happened to the police, but when she woke up the next morning, she was covered in bruises and a feeling like she had had sex, even though she couldn't remember. Now this girl was 
a player on a team for a sports team at Baylor University. One of her teammates suggested to her that she just tell the police that she had consensual sex with a white man because they wanted to protect the other athletes. A later Title IX investigation into this incident showed that Chapman had called that Bruin and instructed her to make the suggestion. So not only has this guy attacked her, but now he's calling her friends and telling them that they need to suggest to her what to do so that they don't get in trouble. Baylor University did not investigate this for over two years. Chapman had transferred, but the other student stayed at the school and she had to watch him. She was in classes with him. She had to see him regularly after the attack. Eventually, when they did finally look into the complaint, he was removed from the school for team rule violations. He was also eventually found responsible for the rape, but he still maintained his innocence that he did not sleep with her. According to ESPN Outside the Lines, Chapman actually told Baylor University officials that he did have sex with her, and so did the other gentleman. Chapman was also reportedly accused of rape once before, but the university failed to intervene in that case. A student-athlete trainer reported that Chapman had raped her at his apartment. The university chose to move the victim to a all-female sports team and then paid for her education in exchange for a non-disclosure agreement. Because that's how you handle a rape case. You just have the girl be quiet and you pay for whatever she needs. As of 2017, Baylor acknowledged that there were a, a were of 17 women who reported sexual or domestic assaults involving 19 players, and allegedly including four gang rapes. That's it. They were aware of that 19 players and four gang rapes. But I'm hearing about a lot more than that, so I'm thinking the school chose to keep their eyes closed about it. Another ex-Baylor student, Sean Oakman, was named in a January in 2013 police report alleging he physically assaulted a woman. According to this report, he grabbed her by her armpits and shoved her into brick walls and cabinets in her apartment. This was approximately six months after he enrolled in Baylor. About three years later, in 2016, he was again arrested and charged with sexual assault on a woman in his off-campus apartment. This woman met Oakman at a bar and went back with him to his place. He then forced her into his room where he removed her clothes, forced her onto his bed, and assaulted her. He was indicted on second-degree felony sexual assault by a grand jury on July 20, 2016. He wasn't expected to get signed as an independent agent for football, which is what he was hoping to play for his life, since he had these legal issues, so he has since gone on to play in the indoor football league for the Bismarck Bucks. So, clearly, it may have affected his life but it really hasn't affected his life at all. Now, to step away from the university rape for a second, I was also reading about a few different doctors and their sick little needs. First, we have Shafiq Sheikh, a former physician at Bangor College of Medicine, 
not related to Bangor University. I looked that up just to be sure. Who is on 10 years probation and has to register as a sex offender for assaulting a sedated patient five years ago. A sedated patient. He was caught seen using his badge to swipe onto her floor over 10 times in one night to go to this girl's room and sexually assault her multiple times. He disconnected her help button so that she couldn't call for nurses. And he claims that she started the whole thing. He claims that she grabbed his crotch and got him sexually aroused and then he couldn't help himself. So what else was he to do but to assault a sleeping, sedated patient who could not help herself? Then we have another doctor, Nikita Levy. This doctor was a gynecologist in Baltimore who in 13, 2013 was caught with sexually explicit photos and videos of his patients. Sadly, no real consequences were given to him because after writing an apology letter to his wife, he committed suicide by placing a bag of helium over his head. Yeah, sounds like he got the easy way out after everything that he's done. And now we have the reality TV doctor, a Newport Beach surgeon named Dr. Grant Rubichaud and his girlfriend, Teresa Riley. They're accused of rape by drugs, kidnapping, oral copulation by anesthesia, assault with intent to commit sexual offenses, and other crimes. The pair pled not guilty in October. They were initially charged with drugging and raping two women, but Rubichaud is being at charged with five more and Riley is being involved with three. The accusations against the surgeon alone date back to 2009 before he began dating Riley. They began their attacks together as a couple in 2015. I don't understand. This one, I think, more than any of the others. Because what kind of woman helps her husband or boyfriend rape another woman? She is helping him drug these women and, well, they're, what they claim is that he is obviously the one raping these girls while she videotapes. She is videotaping this for them to watch later, for them to remember, what? And then she is actually part of the, one of the ones that's doing the oral copulation. So she is performing oral sex on these poor girls. I, I don't, I can't wrap my head around this whole thing. Like, I just... I don't understand and I'll be interested to see what the consequences are for them because right now like I said they've just it was just October when they pled not guilty so we've got a little while before their trial now how have any of you out there ever seen the movie Audrey and Daisy on Netflix if not you should definitely check it out it's about two girls that were from two different high schools in two different states in America, both were raped by men during their high school years. And the movie goes over their stories and what happens to them after. Their responses to what happens to them are two very di different responses, but both are very understandable responses. 
the movie will break your heart and it will tear at your heartstrings. But I think that it is an important one to watch to see the other side of things. The side that most people want to keep quiet. The part, the victim side. The, the part where they talk about what happened to them and open up about what happened to them because no one wants to hear that part do they they want the victim to just suffer in silence and not ruin the lives of these poor young men who have so much going for them i mean look at look at the brock turner case in california he got what he was in jail for three months i think he got six and was in for three he was caught in the act of sexually assaulting a woman by two other men and held down until the police came. There was no question about what he did. There was no question that it was him. He got six months. Six months. I don't understand. Or that other guy that, you know, we, the first guy from this podcast, Mr. Mr. Jacob Anderson, a $400 fine. And three years probation. Doctors get probation and lose their medical license. There's no real consequence for an act that will seriously affect women for the rest of their lives. The women who were photographed by that doctor. And here's the thing. None of the women know whether or not, for a fact, they were photographed by the doctor. There were so many photographs to go through and so many videos to go through and so many patients that it could have been that they didn't actually figure that out. They didn't want to know. I don't think I would want to either. Could you imagine going through video after video after video and picture after picture of patients who are being examined by this man that they trust as their doctor and he's taking pictures of their most private places like could you imagine it's that's traumatizing whether or not it actually happened to think that it could have happened to think that someone you trusted is doing that whether to you or to other women that is a how how do you get over that the those women in fact said that the impact of the trauma was so immeasurable they had nightmares, they lost sleep, they had panic attacks. I mean, and obviously they didn't trust doctors anymore. I mean, how could you? How could you trust anyone after that? That poor girl that was sedated and sleeping in her bed. How does she trust a doctor again? How do we trust, how do we trust the justice system that hands them a $400 fine and a slap on the wrist? Or three months in jail? Or probation? How do we trust any of that? I don't think we can. And I think that until things start changing in this country as far as rape culture is concerned, it's not going to get any different. And we won't be we still won't be able to trust these people or feel comfortable walking down the street at night by ourselves or be able to do so many just basic things. I I don't know this this I, I have luckily I can honest I can say thankfully I have never been 
raped in my life. I have been, I have been sexually assaulted. I've been leered at. I've had, you know, men that think that they can say whatever they want. I've had men touch me in inappropriate ways. I've had men do things that they think are okay, even when they know flat out that I've said no, and there's no question that they should be not doing any of that because men think that that's okay. Um, most were relatively minor incidents, but at the same time when they happened and I went to my bosses where I was working in the two incidents that happened at my jobs, nothing was ever done. The first time I was called a liar and the second time I was told something would happen and nothing ever did. So I've been there. I know how it feels to have someone believe you. I left both those jobs after those responses because I knew well enough to know that I deserved better than that and that I didn't deserve what was being done to me and that I didn't have to put up with it. So I walked away. Not everybody can. Not everybody is as lucky as me. I know people who have, who have much more horrifying stories than I do. And they are amazingly strong women who have managed to move forward and move on despite the horrible things that have been done to them and not only what was done to them but the attitudes of the people around them that they told or that they went to about them that didn't believe them or didn't care or just told them to hide it because you know no one likes to talk about those things or we just don't we need to get over that. We need to get over the not talking about it. We need to get over the hiding. We need to get over the thought that these boys don't have to suffer any sort of consequence for what they did. They did something wrong, and they do. I have two teenage boys. Trust me. I don't want them to go to jail. I don't want them to have to, you know, live like that. But I'll tell you what, if they ever raped a woman if they ever hurt a woman in that way or did anything to where they deserve the consequence they deserve the consequence it is what it is I don't know you know and I certainly don't think that three months in jail or a $400 fine would be an adequate response to a sexual assault even for my children that it's it's not an adequate response and we need to open this discussion up. We need to talk about it more. We need to shame the rapist, not the victim. We need to... We just need to be more open about this and we need to punish the right person. We really do. I... I feel like now we punish the victim and the rapist just moves along. I feel like it's a rapist world out there. And that's a pretty sad world to live in, if you ask me. So, I'm going to end this podcast with one little comment. I have a friend who actually went to Baylor for her freshman year of high school. And... We were discussing Jacob Anderson on my page and she mentioned something to me that I thought was interesting. So I'm just going to give her little, this little quote and I'm going to leave you with this. 
she said, people thought I was being weird or paranoid or hallucinating when I would say that there was something truly evil in that campus. But God's honest truth, you could feel the evil on the campus. It was like a cloud hovering over the center of the campus, not unlike the scene from Ghostbusters. At that school, it was all about appearances on that campus, not about personal quality. Now, keep in mind, she was a freshman at Baylor, probably, well, we won't go there, uh, very late 1990s, and she even noticed it then. So, in about 20 years, nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. And that's a problem. Thanks for listening, guys. I really appreciate it. And I'd love to hear your feedback on today's topic, on the podcast in general, and on any other future topics you might want me to cover. You can reach me at Facebook at That Loudmouth Lady or on Twitter.com at Loudmouth Lady. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to answer back. Hope to hear from you soon. Take care. Bye, guys.